Life, whether you like it or not, happens to everyone. We don't get to choose our testimony, but we are called to share the journey. Hi, everybody. I'm BJ Foster, and this is Withholding Nothing, a podcast for the soul. Let's do this thing. In this week's episode, you're going to meet Kai Foster. Yes, <laughs> my better half. You have been asking about it and I have finally relented. Kai Foster, my husband, father, evangelist, man of my dreams, man supporting all of my crazy ventures, and yes, there are many. In this week's testimony, we are going to hear him share his journey into ministry, finding his way, and coming out whole. We're calling this episode Truly Knowing God, Withholding Nothing, a podcast for the soul. All right, guys, thank you once again this week for joining me. I'm so excited. I know I've been getting different comments asking about who my husband is because I'm always quoting or misquoting him <laughs> in my recaps. I'm always saying my husband said or Kai said, and a number of you obviously know who he is, but some of you are like, we want to hear from Kai. So today you get to hear from my husband, Kai Foster. <laughs> so this is either going to be a very easy interview for me or a very difficult interview for me. But I'm excited to have you with us, babe. So Amen. just like I do with everybody, I started off with just saying, tell the listening audience a little about a little bit about who you are. So this is Kai Foster. Uh, I am BJ's husband <laughs> and uh, proud of it. <laughs> uh, I am. Uh, I'm an evangelist uh, with International Church of Christ. Uh, my 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 life is uh, I'm from Southern California, Orange County, uh, born and raised, youngest of four, military family. Uh, I'm a big Islander, and which is a big deal, I guess. And um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, I've been in the ministry now uh, with you. For uh, 26 years. And um, And it's a long long time. (laughs) It's a long, long time. And uh, all the ups and downs of it. um, But it's been great. It's been um, all the ups and downs. It's been awesome. I like to have fun. I like classic rock. I go to a lot of concerts. Yes, he does. (laughs) Lots of concerts. Lots of concerts. And, uh, and I basically at this phase of life and ministry, I'm just trying to find new and effective ways how to, uh, live and how to do the work ministry effectively, uh, rather than just by the numbers status quo. And, uh, that fuels a lot of my life. Right. Now, before we even go deeper into all of that, cause I do okay. want to talk about that. Um, because you've been in the ministry for 26 years and we are, we both know people who you've been in the ministry for about 10, mm-hmm. right? About 15, you're about burnt out. How do you keep 
the flame going after 26 years in ministry and still be excited about? Um, it's all from the spirit, obviously. Uh, spirit changes us, transforms us, moves us, um, enlightens us. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the Bible talks about God will reveal unsearchable things uh, to us. And um, that, it, it comes from there. Uh, there is being a self-starter. There is being self-motivated. And that's part of it, too. But I think the greater part is um, have to look at it and then look at look at the work of ministry mm -hmm. and look at what's important to God and what's important. And then bring it all to God and let God inspire you. Yeah. Well, they've heard me share my part of it. I'm going to have you share some of yours. Okay. But the journey isn't always as smooth and as easy as that. I mean, that sounds beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's the way we want it to be. But mm -hmm. as we all know, the road is never as smooth mm -hmm. as, as that. The road can be rocky. Um, I know one of the things we've talked about is that with ministry, it's on-the-job training. Mm -hmm. You know, here you are leading the lives of all these people while you're trying to learn to lead the lives of all mm -hmm. these people. Mm -hmm. What was that training part or that transition part, maybe is a better word for you? Um, I would say something that comes to mind a lot is, is I would say there is the way that you're trained uh, directly and indirectly. What you're told and then what's modeled for you happens around you. And there's and there's there's good and sometimes not so good in both. So I have to walk through that and figure out um, a lot of prayer. And a lot of asking questions uh, of God and also other ministers. Um, what are we doing that really glorifies God? What, what is really what are we doing? What are we doing that works? And then what are we doing that doesn't work? And it's easy to get into traps of complaining about this or that. And I've been there uh, many times: critical, dark, um, <laughs> ugly. Bitter no. at times. <laughs> and then I went to the concert. But then, then, um, then I just got to a point where I felt like um, I wanted to be in a, I wanted to be in a place wherever, wherever in my heart where I wanted to do the work um, from the best possible. And, um, and I do think being self-starter is a big part of it. I have to pick up. Mm -hmm. uh, and and get moving um, in life and ministry uh, from time to time, regardless of your age or where you're at. Right. And that's a big part of it. And, and again, going back to my past, coming from a lot of abuse and abandonment uh, in my teen, really pre-teen, is when I really, I really made a decision that uh, life had been stolen from me and I wanted to and so uh, until my last breath, I really just want to go after life. Um, and uh, but but life is defined by uh, not just myself right. and the things that I want to see happen here and there. But what, what does God want from me? What does he really want from me? And to really search that out, not only in scriptures, but in a lot of ways. Wow. Yeah, I, obviously I know. But you, you mentioned being a self-starter and for the listening audience, you basically 
I guess were on your own since the age of what, 16, 17? Uh, Something yeah, like that. Yeah, about that. Yeah, my dad moved out uh, when I was 15. My mom joined him when I was 17. And so my last, my senior high, my senior year of high school, I was on my own uh, by then and uh, trying to figure out life. Yeah, see, that's rough because most people, I know my kids, I know our kids. <laughs> <laughs> are not ready to be on their own at 17 years old. Um, but yet you managed to find your way. And I know you did modeling, travel the world. You did all that before landing in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you gain the confidence, I guess? I'm, I'm not sure if that's even the word I'm looking for. Um, to self-start, to jump in, you know, after abusive father and all that stuff, you still managed to find your way and push through. Mm. A lot of people get stuck. And whatever happened to them before, it's it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of trial and error. Um, I I can look back at uh, many. I've had many 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 jobs, which many models and actors do. But I had many jobs, and uh, you had to learn, you had to adapt, you had to figure it out. Um, and so having many many jobs, uh, cab driver, uh, chauffeur, you know, limousine driver driver um selling sandwiches from a cart <laughs> in high rises uh, singing telegrams retail restaurants. i didn't know him then y'all i didn't know him then no. <laughs> was all, that was clean that was clean singing telegrams uh but just so just so many things you have to you have to buy yourself and sometimes you'll fail you know some, mm-hmm. sometimes it'll be really hard and sometimes you're gonna have to uh, struggle and and scratch and claw, but um, but it's that, and then you learn over time uh, how to uh, apply yourself when you really when you really have to, right? Um, and uh, it just there's no substitute for experience, right? I, I love that. You know, I, I teach a lot on not getting stuck in the transition because I feel like so often that's where we get stuck happened to us and we we are our growth is stunted at whatever age uh things happen to us. But yet to look at the things that we've gone through really is in preparation for where God's leading. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff that you had to deal with prior to this, how has it helped you in ministry? Um I would say um process of of trial and error, mm-hmm. of experimenting, you know, trying new things. Um uh, failing and then recovering. All of that is, is what you'll go through in the ministry. It, the ministry has a 90%, um, turnover across all denominations. And, uh, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. And when I went into the ministry at 34, at the time, uh, where we were, that was considered old, <laughs> which is hilarious now, but that was considered old. And, um, you know, 26 years later, uh, I- I'm grateful to still be in the ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, some, of, some of my peers, our peers are still in the ministry. Many are not. Most, but that's common. That's really common. And so, um, you know, for me, you know, many lead many more people than I'll probably ever lead. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they have much larger ministries and they've done different things and they've done in my opinion, much more than, than I'll ever do. But at the same time, 
I feel that God's in front of me, uh, different ministries now. I'm grateful what I have. I want to find more and more effective ways to experience God, not just experience. So that's that's a great motivator. Now, that's one of the misquotes I'm sure I, I, I put out there before. <laughs> My husband said, <laughs> but you have a quote, you always say something about um, instead of actually through ministry, it's something of motivation. I don't know. I'll come back to it. It will back to me. You edited it. I'll edit it in because I can't think of it right now. But there's so many chiasms that I know and then I share them and right now I can't pull it up. Something that you did say just now, you were talking about uh, the lesson of failing and recovering. Failing yeah. and recovering. And that's so huge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, ministry really is a whole series, if we're quite honest, of failing and recovering. And many of our peers don't recover. Mm-hmm. So share with the audience a little bit. Like again, like I said, they've, they've heard my story, mm-hmm. bits and pieces of it. They know how I, as a woman, went through some of our failings and recovery. But, you know, it's very different. As the father, as mm-hmm. the head as of the, the household, man. as the man. As the evangelist. So what was it like for you with some of the failures and recoveries that we've had to endure? Um, it's always hard. It's always uh, um, very defeating in the moment. Uh, it, it's be- because the, the man's role is the prominent role. And the man's role, um, you're, 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 you're usually up front. Uh, in every so, it, it, when you're let go, um, it, it it's so it's it's de- in some ways it's demoralizing. In some ways, it, it's frustrating. You feel like you you failed, and and the fail is a public thing. Oh yeah. And with ministry, um, at least in our organization, once you've been let go, if you want to continue, you can't stay. Mm-hmm. In that particular church, for the most right. most of the time, not in every not every case, but almost almost every case, I have to pack up and go. And so, if it was just me, that would be um, an issue, not a big issue. But because it's you and our kids, it, it's a tremendous uh, weight. And so, it's hard each time. It's very hard. Um, but I know ministers go through it. Uh, just as often, if not more often, than we have, <laughs> and um, it comes with the territory. Even when I'm reading journals and different books and different materials, um, there are ministers talking about the number of times they've been they've been let go and moved on, ministry and so forth and so on. It's there and it's hard, um, but I, I think for me, what happens is is I get to a point where I just basically ask myself, what really matters? What really counts? Mm-hmm. And I and I aim for that, and um, and that that really drives me because what really does matter? I, I don't want to do or be something that that I know in my heart of heart uh, is less than what I desire and less than what God desires for me, and. Um, because I've had so many jobs, I can I can do a lot of things and uh, live and provide for my family and so forth. That's not that hard. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to ministry and this, everything that you do, 
in the role, everything you do has eternal impact every day. You're small. Right. And that is, that's powerful. That's huge. And, and I, I don't necessarily feel um, an unhealthy. And I feel a healthy mm-hmm. pressure, a healthy weight or a healthy burden. All of that. Because this is this is all that matters. This, this is all that counts. In the, in the sense of whether you're a, a member or a minister, all that really counts is helping people get to heaven. Right. Let me just, let me ask you a question, babe. So, uh, and I know you talk about it all the time. So I feel so redundant because I'm asking questions right. that my husband and I talk about all the time, but you guys don't know it. But how do you <laughs> not? The ministry is a people business. Yeah. But you can also get fatigued mm-hmm. in dealing with people. Mm-hmm. But yet, I love what you, you, you were sharing once about John 3.16. You said, not just God so loved the world, but you said, God so loved people. people. Right. And that was, that was huge for me. How do you keep loving people in a business in which you hear a lot of the bad, you hear mm-hmm. a lot of the ugly, and a lot of our uh, peers just get worn out? Um, I, I think... I think a part of it is it's all obviously, and I'll say this a lot. All comes from all comes from the spirit. I have to go back to the spirit and really address the Holy Spirit and ask for um, perseverance, for understanding, for enlightenment. You know the the uncertain things that that God talks about. Um, It has to come from the spirit. It can't come from willing yourself. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, there are times when you have to pick yourself up, but the the act of willing yourself, the human act, right. it's not a, a not an act of spirit. And so, do you need to do that at times? Yes, of course you need to do it, mm-hmm. but it's still a human act. And so, if you want something to be eternal of the spirit, then you have to approach it spiritually. And so, you you do have to pick yourself up, but then. Ask the spirit. Like right now, I'm asking the spirit often. Um, I'm asking the spirit, how can I better shepherd fail at some point? Right. They're gonna whether it's big or small, something will happen. And um and it, it doesn't it it doesn't end until it ends. <laughs> it doesn't end. It doesn't end until their last breath. Right. So um the great uh Elder Al Baird said um, that every person out of the waters of baptism uh, falls away as that process coming out of the water of baptism. So they took the time, their lives right with God, and follow the scriptures to get into those waters. And so at some point in time, they were moved and humbled by God and got power and obeyed the scriptures and um, got in the water. Repented and got in the water and became Christians, right. became believers, became disciples. And so if you can help anyone who's in a dark place, where however long they've been in that dark place, get back to that place right. and then find a greater God mm-hmm. rather than God, mm-hmm. um, then they'll do great. Yeah, it's, it's so easy to forget when they're in a dark place, when we're in a dark place. It's, it's so easy to forget that this person was once standing firmly. That's right. You know, and um, how we view each other makes the world of a difference. So it really is about fighting to try to see each other soul to soul, 
yeah. you know, and not incident. Instead, I, the quote I was trying to figure out earlier was behavior over savior. Yeah, that's one of the ones that you use yeah. a lot. Yeah. And, um, and and that and just to clarify that quote is is we focus on behavior mm -hmm. rather than savior, and so our 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 methodology, even if you want to call it our theology, our belief is you focus on behavior rather than savior. And really it's the reverse. Savior over. Right. And if you put the savior first, there's a lot of of intimate connection and and worship and praise. Uh, every quiet time is personal worship. So, so if, if you're in your relationship there is a deep, a, a, a depth mm -hmm. to your to your faith. Mm -hmm. Then, then you don't really have to focus on nearly as much. But I think the mistake that we've made, and that many of many denominations have made, is it on behavior, uh, what what people are doing or not doing, rather than really teaching them how to approach the Savior in a way that really moves them, transforms them. Uh, much more permanently or deeply. Right, right. Yeah, what you've been doing, and for the audience to know, your prayer life has really revolutionized the our ministry, our small little ministry here mm -hmm. in Reno, mm -hmm. you know, and it really has begun with your prayer life. It's not like you stood up and said, okay, everybody needs to change, mm -hmm. but a change has taken place with you mm -hmm. that has almost ignited a fire in everyone else. So mm -hmm. share a little bit about uh, Francis Chan uh, said uh, in, a, in a sermon, I love his messages. I was constantly over again. Um, he said, you know, would you rather have, basically he said, would you rather have a minister who is um, charismatic in the pulpit or a minister who prays? And that really convicted me. And so um, about five years ago, I started practicing uh, what some call monastic prayer or meditative prayer. It, it's just basically it's just prayer for uh, hours at a time, and so um, it was it was basically me going out for hours at a time uh, in an outdoor setting, usually a, a, a park, and I would walk in the evenings um, for a couple hours and just pray. And sometimes I was silent. Sometimes I would. Um, praying through uh, the roster of our membership, uh, not only in this ministry but the last ministry, and um, well, and and just asking God questions, and and really crying out to God. Uh, Hebrews five seven, Jesus prayer life, I as loud cries and petitions. That's how his prayer life is. I mean, if you look at all the other scriptures, that is prayer life. Uh, like in Luke, it talks about how he prayed night, but prayed all night long, you know. And there's many books about prayer and so forth. But I think what's what's helped me was as I was practicing a lot of prayer, it, it made it easier to teach and counsel about prayer because I was preaching from my own personal experience rather than just telling pray, which I think is what most. Um, what most people have done in the past, right. they'll tell people to pray, which is great, but we have to on how to pray. And so, to, but to do that, I felt like I had to explain 
how to do it myself and do it for a while, uh, a number of years, really effectively. So really inspiring and motivating people through your own personal walk, not just standing in front of everybody, right. you, which, you know, it's very easy to fall into that. That's for sure. So, um, and I hear you talk about this, right? My husband literally takes the roster and prays for every person, which just, it, it, it's mind boggling because our prayer lives are almost totally opposite because he will pray and pray and pray and pray. And I was I always tell the women, I said, mine is like having an imaginary best friend. You ever see kids with imaginary friends? They're talking nonstop. You cannot convince them that that person doesn't exist. That's me with my God. <laughs> but Kai's prayer life is completely different, and they don't have yeah. to be the same. That's right. That's right. Because you, because you're you're praying to this Almighty God, the only one God, mm-hmm. Alpha and Omega, one true God, and He's all those things, and He's your Abba Father. Mm-hmm. And I think. I think when I look at all of that, that means, and he wants to be that in our life, Mm -hmm. Abba, Father, Daddy, figure, well, as all things that he already is. If we put those together and really meditate on that, I think our prayer life is much more inspiring. But but again, I think what's intimidating is, because when I preach about prayer, uh, most people get really quiet. They become subdued because they feel... A lot of things. Sometimes it's shame, guilt, embarrassment, sadness, or, or they just fill this big empty space because they don't have a deep prayer life. Mm-hmm. And and the answer is not shame. That's not the answer. Right. The answer is inspiration. Right. And so and so in that, it's only inspiring if if you do it yourself and then you begin to teach. But every person is going to have a different type of prayer life. But whatever it is, because you're talking about emotional bandwidth, you're talking about how people relate to each other. So th- there, there's no way it's going to be identical. Uh, and sometimes it won't even be similar to right. our different prayer lives. But whatever you're doing, it has to be deep. It has to go deep. Whatever that means to you and whatever that means in your relationship God it has to go to a deep place where you're moved and you're transformed by his presence, by better understanding who he is and experiencing that, not just knowing it uh, from the neck up, but really experiencing it from the neck. Wow. You asked a question the other night that really shook people up, and I thought it was very interesting, so I want you to share a little bit about it. You asked people, do you feel, do you think God likes you? Mm-hmm. And the response was startling. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the reactions that we received on that and, and what you meant by that. Well, I think people, I think most people know that God loves them. Jesus loves them. I think people, most people know that regardless of whether or not they're following God. Uh, but those who are following God, they, they rest assured that God loves them and they can see it and they've heard it. And I think they know it, understand that. Mm-hmm. But again, it's all about words. If you change the word to, to like, then it brings on a different connotation. It's more actually, in some ways, it's more personal because you're asking about okay, well, do you think this? Do you think your God hears you? Is really what you're saying, really what you're asking. And so I'll ask, do you think God loves you? And everyone says yes. And I say, yeah, but do you think God likes you? Does, does He like who you are? And then every time people are shocked, 
they haven't really thought about it, but then they're realizing in the moment that they don't think God likes them, that God just tolerates them. Like maybe that's how a parent in their life or in the figure um, approached them. Um, And and so it just brings up a lot. But if Jesus is saying, Abba, Father, that's where he wants us to go. That is that is a dad that likes you, likes who you are, how you are, um, and that's the God you really want to follow. So when people have that prized reaction because they haven't considered it, right. and then they start to consider it in the moment, you can see that there is this wide, wide gap um, between between uh, what they're experiencing and what God wants. Yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting when I got with the women who pulled aside for the women's group and started talking about it and the tears that started to flow. And you started to see the, the shallowness. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, right. but the shallowness in the relationships because here we are praying religiously, mm-hmm. you know, day in and day out to a God that in our heart of hearts, we don't believe likes us. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was trying to get the women to see that's where the disconnect is. You know, my, my kids can do all sorts of things that I don't, that I'm not happy about, but I love my kids. I like my kids Now we may have to straighten out some things, but I like who they are. But yet there's a part of us that we look at the things that we have done, you know, the missteps we've taken. And it's if God has some record of wrong going mm-hmm. on in his mm-hmm. mind. And he's saying, oh, I don't like that BJ. She's done this, this, this. And can you imagine how difficult that is for me to get close to? that if that's how i view them and i think for many god is a standard Mm. god's a standard that that they are always trying to meet and uh, the personhood of Mm -hmm. is left out of the picture Mm. but if you're taught that god is a standard then um and you're trying to follow that uh, literally your entire life then you're not following the one true god you're not following the God of the Bible. You're following the God of religion, regimen, and that's not the real God. Wow. But I, I think in in many churches, again, across all denominations, what's taught is that God is a standard and not the almighty God of our Father. So basically what you're sharing is that it's we got to reteach Yes. <laughs> we have to start yes. teaching because we have taught uh church God very, very well. Yeah. And we have disciples of church. Yeah. And not so much disciples of Christ. Right. Right. Uh I think people again, not not intentionally, right, but what happens is is that church organizations are are, are presenting God in a way where people approach God as the church organization becoming their God, whether they realize it or not. And so there's much more loyalty well, to uh, the church organization rather than God himself. And um, and they fall into all kinds of traps. And one of the obvious ones is when someone, when someone leaves a church organization and goes to another church, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that person is ostracized. Um, and uh, you know, forgotten, or uh, they're harassed, and so forth. And 
Why would you do that? Why, why would you, what would motivate you to do that? Only because you're seeing it as a person that's an organization and you're loyal to that organization rather than seeing it as, as, um, they're going to another, uh, church to do, try to follow God in a better way for whatever reason. And, and so you, why stop loving them? It makes absolutely no sense. Um, and I don't think it's difficult. Yeah. And there's been, unfortunately, a lot of pain behind boneheaded moves like that. Mm-hmm. Say boneheaded, because I just feel like we've all done it and we've heard a lot of people in doing so. So again, it goes back to so much reteaching yeah. needs to be done. But in order to do that, we've got to re- reinsert God into the right position that you rightfully belong, yeah. you know, so that we're doing the right thing. I always say, I mentioned in the book that we are churches full of disconnected Christians. Uh, it's not a questioning of people's loyalty, but are we connected to the mm-hmm. smooth? Are we simply holding on to a phone that no longer works? Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. it's about being courageous enough, uh, honest with ourselves enough to go, maybe I'm not standing as solidly as I want to be. Yeah, very true. Very true. Anyway, a couple more questions. Guys, this, okay. this is not all day, everyday time to talk. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. <laughs> You want to know what goes on our house? This, this is it. Sometimes it's in the wee hours of the morning, <laughs> late at night. So whatever, that just hits us. So what are some dreams for Kai Foster? I mean, I know that you pray for everyone. You have all sorts of mm-hmm. dreams and plans. What are your own personal hopes and dreams and plans? What are you taking to God? Um, I just wanted to be effective. And, and now, 26 years later, it's still the same uh, focus in that as long as I'm in it, which I feel is a privilege and an honor and and um, a blessing, as we do get older and we're gaining an insight and wisdom and experience, that is a precious commodity that you don't want to waste. Mm. Um, and so if you can be uh, in good health and be active in the ministry, and again, pouring out a lot of wisdom and experience, then... Um, as that inspiration comes, that insight, that idea come, I stop, think it through, thank the spirit, and then continue right. to pray. That God just leads me to great things. And so I, I'm just uh, super grateful. And- yeah, I love that. It's about being effective. It made me think about um, last week, week before we went to see Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> yeah. We love music. We're at a concert going, especially here. No, we went to see Earth, Wind, and Fire. Wasn't there? 50th? 50th anniversary tour. 50th anniversary tour. And you only have three of the main remaining um, original, original guys. But yet you look at them and go, they're still awesome. But yet they had to um, evolve. They can't, they can't perform the same way. They can't perform the same way. They can still hit Bill Bailey is still hitting those incredible right. notes. But well. the voices are a little bit thinner. They're all going to be, they're all 70 years old now. So they're not dancing around as much as they used to. So you look at it and go, it, their gift, their anointing, if we want to think of it in terms of ministry, is still there. But now it has to be backed up with some other things. The sound mm-hmm. maybe is a little bit louder. You have singers behind them. Yes. But it is about us being honest enough with ourselves and evolving along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, we had an interesting conversation with uh, the Lopez's. Mm-hmm. We were on vacation last week. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because uh, Cesar kept saying, the Fosters, you guys have just... You've reinvented yourself. 
and I hadn't thought about that, but I guess in actuality, we've reinvented ourselves. Yes. But that's part of adapting. Yeah. You know, you've got to adapt to, okay, God, what are the cards that you are dealing with me right now? What do you want me to go with this? Do I keep trying to hold on to what I've always done the way that I always did it, mm-hmm. which sometimes we do and we get stuck there? Mm-hmm. Or am I willing to transition mm-hmm. into the next yeah. phase of life? I guess yeah. that God is trying to take. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, so, so I, I definitely pray about that, but I also pray about, um, Ventures, as I call them, being an author, you know, writing a book, and then writing, uh, you know, writing and developing children's books, mm-hmm. uh, podcasts, uh, public speaking, your your work with means nonprofit, uh, which is a national nonprofit, and you're working here in Reno and having this incredible, amazing impact um, because you're working with the Every day, right? Uh, five days a week, which I love, which you love, <laughs> and um, and again, I, I just feel like uh, all the hand of God. I mean, the impact that you're having in this nonprofit where you're helping to support uh, comes from several things. I think one of those things is all of your experience in ministry. Right? It, it's your heart, it's your conviction. You're working with kids that that you you love to do, which is work with kids. And so God's put you in a position where you can do uh, all the great work, fired work, and and that's how I feel in my role in Tiny Church, just being able to come here and use what I bring to the table and help the church get a better place, and then to watch the church uh, eyes, ears, and and all of these miracles, right. the church building that we're in, outside donors. Um, it's just amazing. It's just amazing to watch it all come to fruition. But it's also great because you can see it's the hand of God. It's above you. And I think my my dream are for your dreams, basically, to be <laughs> to be lived out. And, and who knows? I mean, who knows? Because um, God's blessed you in a great way, and there's, I feel like there's so much more that you can do for many, many, many years. And um, you know, as I've told you, right from in the sense of, sense of pursuing these ventures, doing these dreams, God do we this. That's awesome. Thank you, Faith. I know for so many, and, and I was going to ask you about how do you feel with your independent wife? Independent. <laughs> and all her ventures, <laughs> you know, because uh, I know for some people that can be very intimidating. And they, you know, I, I know the women's role and all that stuff is coming up mm-hmm. and I'm so not into all that. So for me, that's doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. you know, but um, it doesn't seem to shake you in any way, shape or form. You, you know, you seem very much standing behind the things that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like there is a uh, conflict in what I'm choosing to do right now? Uh, for me personally? Yeah. No, I, I, um, I feel like you have sacrificed so much, so long just in the ministry, in your acting career. All the opportunities that you not just had, but even still have at times uh, for ministry and uh, for the nonprofit. And so when I look at it, I feel like um, it's exciting just to be a part of it as your husband. Um, but you're you're my. <laughs> I know it sounds so 
<laughs> ridiculous, but you're my friend. I mean, you, you're my friend, and and I want my friend to do well. Why? Why would I corrupt that with my ego? It just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want you to do well. I want you to go far. Um, I want it to be great. I I feel like, um, you know, like I tell our daughter who's a maker, I tell you the same thing: develop the craft, develop the craft. I write a book, then write another book. You don't. Uh, th- this this can go apart, and you have you really have. Um, and I know sometimes we won't take this well, but you're you're the best I've ever seen. But I also feel like you have so much to offer that um, all of these ventures make that possible. And um, and it's exciting. It, it's so exciting. It's always been there, but God's timing bringing it all to you. And just in a short time, you know, you've written this book, written more, you're writing more books, podcasts, uh, all of this. And um, it's amazing to watch. And it's great to be a part of it. So I, I want you to succeed. I feel like you're a large success. So I, it's exciting. That's great. That's why I married him. No. <laughs> no, my, my, my tagline is always uh, be on the lookout for the hand of God. And, um, you know, I feel like God's hand sometimes leads us to places that someone else may not agree with, you know, but then you come down to it. Well, do I follow the hand of God? Mm. Or do I follow trying to fit in with people? And I feel like we're both in a position right now, just we're choosing to follow the hand of God mm. and it's leading us into various directions that I never thought about writing a book. I never considered myself an author, but God said, write, And therefore I wrote, mm-hmm. you know, so it's exciting to be on God's side. Yeah. That's what's exciting. Exciting to be on God's side. So kind of closing things out because we just chat forever and ever. Yeah. I always ask, you know, what's one last thing you want to leave with the audience that, um, Maybe God is teaching you or just something that's on your heart because we do have an extended audience now. Thank goodness. Thank you guys for all listening. Yes. Thank you. We thank are you. growing and coming on strong. Yes. But, um, tell your friends. Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all about what the things that we go through. There's a lesson in it, not just for us, but for other people. Someone else is struggling through something that we've already gone through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what is a last thing you would like to share, just, you know, Hey, hang in there. This is something that happened to me. I got through it. You'll get through it. Or what is something that is teaching you that you think would be beneficial to the rest of us? I would say, uh, knowing God, that the term no in the scriptures is usually referring to, uh, something intimate, uh, a mutual communion. Um, and that's experiencing God. And so, uh, for everyone who's listening, who's who's practicing their faith uh, in God, aim for experiencing God, a raw, genuine, authentic place. Jeremiah fifteen, you know, basically Jeremiah calls God a fake, <laughs> a liar. In, in the in the Psalms, David, uh, you know, basically uh, speaks against God a number of times right. in a gamut of emotions. Then he comes back to praising God, mm-hmm. and and what I've been preaching on a lot lately is is that we're not honest with God. We, we for different reasons don't tell him what we're really thinking, 
and feeling. And obviously, it's not because he doesn't know. Mm -hmm. uh, he knows what we're thinking and feeling. But intimacy happens when you are sharing with each other what you're feeling. And God's made it clear in the scriptures how he feels about us. Um, and he speaks through the spirit. Spirit's praying for us in groanings to deep words, 24 hours a day. So it's already made it clear how he feels about us. But I think we have got to verbalize, literally have to say yeah. to God, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. Uh, and then ask God questions. And that's knowing God. Mm. I think, um, Many know church and many know prayer through um, uh, practicing a kind of a, a ritual of prayer, but not really experiencing God in Jesus. His example is that he experienced the Father, he experienced God in prayer. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I think most don't do. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the the disciplined and, and those who are uh, strong in character and can build themselves to do things um, do well uh, in the church culture, but they're not necessarily spiritual. Right. Um, I think they're well-intentioned, but I don't think they're necessarily spiritual. Um, look at the men and women of the Bible. They were flawed and um, they had issues. They had problems. Uh, they didn't want to be called by God. They didn't want to speak <laughs> at times. They didn't want to lead people at times. Mm -hmm. But yet God used them. And how all that happened, it happened through those individuals being intimate, uh, connecting with, saying what they really thought and felt. Mm -hmm. And when you deepen that relationship with God, God reveals those unsearchable things, those, those deeper things. And that's when you begin to truly transform and experiencing, experience much more of the relationship that he's longing from you. And um, and that's really what I want people to know their God. That's awesome. So we're all capable yeah. of having a deep, intimate relationship with God, but we have to go after it yeah. in order to experience that. That's awesome. All right, babe. Well, thank you for giving me your time. Guys, you know, I always say that we don't get to choose our testimony, but we are called to share the journey. Yeah. You're going through something. Everyone is. Share your journey. Somebody needs to hear your story in order to get back up this morning. So thank you, babe, for sharing yours. Amen. And um, I, I will try not to misquote him from this point on. I'll do, I'll do better. <laughs> but I can't, I can't promise you anything. My, my memory is not that good. But we are so very thankful. Thanks for joining me, babe. And uh, until next week, everybody, be on the lookout for the hand of God. Amen. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this week, guys. I hope you have been enlightened and encouraged. Please join me next week for a whole new testimony. And before we say goodbye, I want to say thank you to my music man, Mr. David Burnett Grant. Check out my new book, Rebound, Staging a Spiritual Comeback. You can find that on Amazon. And please leave me any comments on my website, enoughasyouare.com. Follow me on Instagram, everybody. Until next week, be on the lookout for the hand of God. <laughs>